Welcome to episode 277 of Greater Than Code. I am Damian Burke, and I'm joined with Aaron Aldridge. Hi, I am Aaron, and uh, I am here with Mandy. Hello, everybody. I'm Mandy Moore, and today it's just the three of us. So if you came expecting more than that, I'm sorry. (laughs) We're what you get today. But... Hopefully we can have a great conversation and we were thinking that we would talk about all the things and I'm doing big hand gestures right now because there's been so many things happening since 2020 that are still happening and how our perspectives have changed for one. I myself can tell you I have grown so much as a person in two years and I'm curious to hear how the two of you have been living your lives since the pandemic. (laughs) Where to begin? I know. It's such a good topic because I feel like everyone's had so much to change, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so uh, two million years ago at the beginning of this (laughs) pandemic, uh, this is my, now I'm now my third place, third job since like the beginning of the pandemic as well. And like, well, I came out as non-binary in the middle of the pandemic, so that was a whole thing, too. I think the question I asked earlier is, like, how much have you radicalized your politics over the course of the past two years? Yeah, yeah, that's been (laughs) bouncing around in my head uh, since you said it uh, off off mic. And every every time I hear the word pandemic now, I think about... Oh man, I, I hesitate on how how far how far to go into this, because um, because I look at I look at the techno anarchist crypto bros, and I can I can I say that disparagingly, and I will say that disparagingly because I was like them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a I, I filled out a survey today, and they they asked like, how do you rate yourself as you know on a conservative and liberal scale? And I'm like, well, I think I'm super conservative. Um, and I still do. And every time I align with any sort of political policy, it's always in alignment with people who call themselves socialists and leftists. And why is that? Hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that was the part I was trying not to go back into. Um, uh, one, one of the one of the big realizations in living through a pandemic in a pandemic is that healthcare is not an exclusive good. What? <laughs> um, that is to say that, like, I cannot, as an individual, take care of my own health outside of the health of the community and society I live in. Didn't know that. In my defense, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> um, but that was that was an amazing realization. No, I think that was a big thing. Like, I think so much of the pandemic exposed the way our systems are all interconnected, right? Exposed the societal things, right? Like so much we rely on is part of the society that we've built. And like when things don't work, it's like, well, now, well, now what? Like, I don't have any <laughs> mechanism to do anything on my own. Like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so fundamental in, in humanity that we are in society. We are in community. We only survive as a group. Like yeah. that's, that's a fundamental aspect of the species. And as much as we would like to, to stake our own claim and, and move out to a homestead and depend on no one other than ourselves, that is not a viable option for human beings. Right. Yeah. 
even out here in rural Vermont with animals and things like, yeah, no, we're still pretty dependent on all of the services that are <laughs> provided around. I'm still on like municipal electric service and everything else, right? Like there's still dependence and we still rely on our neighbors and everyone else to keep us sane in other ways, right? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like people in rural areas and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't lived in a rural area and maybe ever, um, have a better understanding of their, of their interdependence. Like you, you know, your neighbors because you need to depend on them in the city. I live in Los Angeles. Like we depend on faceless institutions and systems. Yeah. And so we don't, we can easily be blind to them. Yeah. I think it can, it mixes in other ways, right? Like I think I get to, I get to travel a bit for work and visit cities. And then I end up coming back out into the rural America to live. And so I, I enjoy seeing both of it. Cause in what I've seen in like city spaces is so much has to be formalized, right? Because it's such a big deal. Like there are so many people involved in the system. Like we need a formal system with someone in charge to run it so that the average everyday person doesn't have to figure out how do I move trash from inside the city out of the city, <laughs> right? We can make that a group mm-hmm. of people's job to deal with. And here it's much more like, well, you can pay this service to do it or like that's where the dump is. So you can just take care <laughs> of it yourself if you want. Like, well, this farm will take your food scraps for you. So you can just gr- bring the stuff over there if you want. Like, it's just it's just very funny. Like, it just pops up in these individual pockets and things that need group answers are sometimes like pushed to the town. You know, we get very uh, you get small town drama because like everyone gets to know about what's happening with the road and have an opinion on the town budget as opposed to like, I don't know. Isn't that why we have a whole department to deal with this? <laughs> yeah. But small town drama is way better than big town drama. You know, nobody knows yeah. <laughs> the fact that half of the cities of LA's budget goes to policing is like a secret. People don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Between the LA Sher- police department and the LA sheriff's department, they have a high, larger budget than the military of Ukraine. Hmm. You know, that's the sort of thing that wouldn't happen. Don't, don't look at the NYPD budget then. <laughs> Which is bigger still, yeah. That's not the sort of thing that would happen in, in a small town where everybody's, like, involved and in that business. Yeah, it, it happens in other weird ways. But, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and I don't know how – this is stuff that I don't know how has if, – if it's changed uh, – during pandemic times, although I've, I guess, start, I guess I've started to pay attention more to uh, local politics and trying to be like, oh, this is where real people affecting decisions get made every day are at these like the municipal levels, right? The the city level, and the like. These are things that, yeah, if we pass a policy to take care of unhoused or to change police budget, like this affects people right now. It's not like a law that takes time to go into effect and like set up a department to eventually go do things. It's like, no, we're going to go change someone, change something materially. Yeah. It's, it's hard to compare the two. Cause like the town I'm in rents a police officer part-time from the next <laughs> <laughs> municipality over. So like the comparison doesn't really work. <laughs> Everybody knows exactly how much that costs, too. We do. It do. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I just had to vote on it this couple Tuesdays ago. <laughs> so then I think I think back to how that how that has impacted. Um, I'm always trying to bring this podcast more into tech because <laughs> I feel guilty about that <laughs> about us wandering off into other things. But I, I think about how that how that impacts how I work in the organizations I work in. Hmm. I recognize I'm learning more about myself. And how much I can love just sitting down with an editor and churning out 
awesome code and awesome features and awesome products. Like that brings me so much joy and I don't want to do anything else. And (laughs) what we do has impact. And so it's so beneficial to be aware of the organization I'm in, what it's doing, what the product is doing, how that impacting people. Sometimes that involves a lot of management. I I do a lot of product management uh, with my main client now. But also, like in other places, you know, you you could have you would look at. Well, okay, I don't need to manage the client's finances, uh, not because that's not a, not as important. It's because other people are doing it, and I trust how they're doing it. And that's something I haven't had elsewhere. Mm. <laughs> the advantage of being with, with a very small organization is that you know I have these personal relationships and this personal trust. Uh, that you that I couldn't get at one of the vampire companies. What do they call them? Fangs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fang. Um, I've been yeah. we've been talking about this because like it, Fang, but like Facebook and Google changed their name, so now it's just like they're just man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> Meta, Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Netflix. Right. I'm all for the <laughs> I'm all for the right of individuals to choose what they are called. I don't know if I'm willing to extend that to Facebook and Google. <laughs> uh, yeah. Remember, was it Altria? <laughs> oh, uh, Philip Morris. Philip Morris, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yep. like, oh, oh, everything we've been doing is horrible and, and harming to society for the past several decades. <laughs> we'll just change our names yeah, and people Philip forget Morris, about it. Philip Morris. Altria didn't do any was, of that. Yeah, Altria didn't do any yeah. of that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm curious because I, I think it's changed for me a bit over this time too. Um, but I'm curious if other folks have had a, a sensitivity change to the types of companies, not necessarily types of companies, but like I'm more sensitive to who I'm working for. Like I think my my list of like, no, I won't work for X company <laughs> has probably grown uh, throughout the pandemic. And I'm definitely much more critical. Part of it's probably because as uh, in tech, we're sort of at an advantage uh, it is high demand right now. We can be a bit picky about where we work, but I, I definitely have been <laughs> lately, <laughs> right? Like much more careful about like, I'm not just willing to work with anyone. I want someone that's got reasonable values, right? Like mm-hmm. I interview other companies a lot more and want to make sure their product is not causing harm, <laughs> generally speaking, uh, and make sure, you know, I get a lot more value alignment out of like leadership team and things like that. I don't know if that's other people have had a similar experience. Unfortunately, I haven't had that experience. I'm still working for whoever <laughs> gives me money. <laughs> but I wish I could do that. And I'm currently looking. I I mean, I've been trying to break into a full-time DevRel career for, I guess, two years now. And I guess I'm actively looking. Oh, here we go. Um, you're hiring. Let me know. <laughs> I, I I guess I am. I am. I'm looking for that job that I'm really feeling fulfilled in. Because right now I'm not feeling that, and I think it's because of the pandemic. I've really stopped to think about what I want in my life and how I want to feel and I want to be happy and I want to be passionate about my job and I want to wake up and not feel scared to open my computer because wow are they going to 
tell me they no longer need my services. Right. <laughs> and it's been demoralizing really for me recently, especially because I, I tried to join a developer relations Slack group just a, a few months ago and they rejected me like flat out. And they're like, you do not work in DevRel full time. You cannot be a part of our group. And I'm like, oh. So now it's like, I'm like, hmm, what do I do in tech? <laughs> I thought I'd been doing DevRel before DevRel was cool. Like, I mean, I I have single here. I'm gonna humble brag for a minute, but like, I I have single handedly put this podcast together mm. and and put you people together that you didn't even know, and you love each other, like. You get that vibe. Like I can tell who's going to get it. Like you're gonna love this person, and you're gonna like. Well, Mandy, you not you not only <laughs> put this podcast together, but you are the sustaining force. Like you are the you are the heart of it. You are the thing where that all the panelists that are connected to. You are the one who gets all of the all of the mechanical everything besides talking in mics. <laughs> uh, you do everything else and. <laughs> You're maintaining all these relations with these developers. <laughs> I never even wanted to be on mic. I just started doing mm-hmm. it because everybody like yeah. was busy, and I was like, "I guess I have to step whatever, up." Whatever it takes <laughs> to get it done, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like the topics on this show that we talk about are important, and they're even important outside of tech. You know that, hence the whole name, <laughs> greater than code. Like there are are more things out there than our jobs and our our yeah. work, and like I just want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled, and I want to be passionate <gasps> about something. And so does my <laughs> dog. I that was a that was a shift for me too. That was definitely one of the roles I was in during the pandemic, and realized my struggle with it so much was it was clashing with that. Right, like it wasn't fulfilling for me. It was clashing with my core values. And it was just like, you know what? I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. Right. Mm. Like I'm no longer in a place where I have the energy to do a thing I don't like doing or, mm. or don't have some care for. Right. There's always something you don't like doing. Right. There's always some crap around every job that like you don't like to do where you have to deal with something, but like, I'm no longer in a place where I can have a whole job that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It's hard for me. I mean, I, I I should feel great about this, but like I'm known as the podcast girl, like the podcast, like if you have a tech podcast, you should yeah. talk to Mandy, but I'm not just a podcast editor. I do so much more than that. Like I mm-hmm. do operation. I do product management. I do writing. Like there's so much more that encompasses who I am in tech than the podcast mm. girl. <laughs> and I feel like not a lot of people know that. And maybe that's my fault because I guess I haven't really done a good job of putting myself out there to be like, hey, wait, but I'm because for me, it's 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 still a hustle as a single mom. Like I have to pay the yeah. bills. So it's like I wish I could be more discerning with the jobs that I take and who I work for, but I don't know. I'm just one of those people of the universe. It's what it'll be, will be. And if it's meant to be, it'll come to me. <laughs> and so I, I don't ever really actively seek 
And that's probably half mm. of my problem. That's what, yeah, because I didn't know all that, all those things about you. I, I, um, I pitch you as a podcast producer. And again, I live in LA. I'm, I'm involved in the, in the, uh, in an entertainment industry and at a, at a slight level. And the word producer there has, is very, very powerful and very important. A producer, a producer is an executive. A producer is a person who gets things done, who makes it happen. I'm not entirely sure what a producer does, even though I've done it. Not even sure what happened. <laughs> right. Because it's never the same thing. No. It's whatever it's whatever it takes. And that skill, yeah. that be, being able to be able to know enough about, about a movie or, or a theatrical production or a podcast, uh, to to know what it takes and to be able to manage and sustain and get it done. Like that's really what it comes down to. Get it done. That's why it's so hard for me. Everyone's like, Do you have a resume? And I'm like, I don't know what to put on it. Like, you tell me you need this done, I'll get it done. If I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. Because that's what I've done for 13 years. Like, I got hired as Avdi Grimm's virtual assistant mm. because an Indeed.com ad came out and was like, I need somebody to answer emails for me. And I'm like, don't know why you can't do that yourself, but sure. <laughs> and and from there, he had a podcast. And was like, can you edit my podcast? And I was like, sure. And then I'm Googling, what is a podcast? <laughs> I had no clue. So like I got here, I think, a lot out of luck from being at the right place and talking to the right person at the right time. But I have busted my ass to just learn what people need me to learn and do what people need me to do. And like, I guess that's maybe what I should just put on the resume. I'll do what you need me to do. <laughs> I make it happen. No, no, no. You put on the resume what, you, what your next job is going to be doing. <laughs> I Yeah. So I, it's, it's hard. Like when people ask me for my resume, I, I I've started and st- like, I, I have like three resumes and I'm like, this does not no. It's almost this- more a portfolio at this point, right? Like I made this thing happen. I made this thing happen. Here's this other thing that I did. Here's another thing I made happen. Resumes are horrific. They're, they're not, they're not good for anybody. And the only people who use them are people who need to filter quickly out of large groups. And they're not even good for that. Mm-hmm. I've long aspired to be at a place in my career where I don't need a resume. I might be there. Steve Jobs didn't have a resume. He didn't need a resume. He, don't, <laughs> he didn't send his resume into the board to get, to get that job at, at Apple back. It's, it's not a, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, that's the thing for me. Like I, I get my, most of my work from word of mouth. Right. So like until I really lost a big client, and I was like, oh, I don't have a resume. Like, I, they're, I'm like, don't you know who I am? No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they should. <laughs> so, say the portfolio is almost, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, this is, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Like, that's, that's sort of how my, my resume has morphed in, in DevRel proper, right? It's gone from like, I still kind of have the resume that's like, yeah, I worked into these things internally that like might not surface otherwise, but also like, here's my speaking portfolio and all the things that I have done over the past three years. Like you might know me from all of this stuff instead of like what's on this resume. <laughs> yeah. Of course, once I was getting comfortable enough to want to speak, that's when the whole world shut down. Yeah. So I have no videos of myself speaking anywhere oh, no. whatsoever. 
Well, I, I think there, I think there might be a few podcasts that you appeared on. There's a few episodes as of late that I have ventured to be on out of keeping the show alive. <laughs> and and every episode of this podcast, and I think several others, are shits in your portfolio, right? <laughs> <laughs> then I'd have a really wrong resume. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, you just need the highlights. But yeah, like I don't know. I a lot of other things have changed for me over the course of the past two years. Like, I mean, just in my personal life, I've gotten sober, and that was a really hard thing to do during a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, when everybody else was out like hoarding toilet paper, I was like, "Oh my god, I need beer." <laughs> And I, actually, I did. I While everybody was stocking up on those other necessities, I was buying cases of beer and putting them in my in my garage because I was like, oh, great, the world's ending. And I guess if that's going to happen, I might as well be drunk. And then, I mean, it's a fair argument in your defense. But then, like, it became like a a bad problem because I was just, you know, when you're home all day and, mm-hmm. and I was home, I worked from home before this, but like everything's so damn depressing and you keep the news on the television. Oof. And next thing you know, I'm like, it's lunchtime and cracking a beer. And I'm like, Whoa, this is, <laughs> where did this come from? So no, I, I, I got sober and I just, I don't drink anymore. And I honestly, I have never felt better. I've also become a runner. I got a treadmill and I run four or five miles a day and I've lost a good amount of of weight, probably a lot from, you know, alcohol bloat. But um <laughs> yeah. but it's more for me, it's not even about losing a weight because I don't even own a scale because it's more about yeah. how I feel. It's what is about how I feel. So when I went to the doctor's office for my yearly checkup on Monday and I got on the scale because they make you, (laughs) I said, whoa, (laughs) because I didn't even know. For me, it's about how I feel. And I think that that's really what's brought a lot of things into perspective for me is that our time here on earth is finite. Like I want to be here for my daughter, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, she's 13 and I want to be healthy for her. I want to be here for my friends. I want to, you know, I, I, I ask myself why I'm still in York, Pennsylvania. And I haven't left because I do have people around here that I care about. Yeah. Mm. And other than that, I could take it or leave it. But because I, the people who I love are here, that's why I haven't left. Yeah. So... That's another thing, the things like the pandemic has just really set me into a lot of personal development work and self-discovery. I journal every day. I I read self-help books, which is so weird to me because I was one of those people that were like, these are those people that read self-help books. And now I'm one of them. (laughs) Like, I want to be... Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle's <laughs> best friend. Like those two women are my people. Elizabeth Gilbert. I can give you so many names of people and great authors that just inspire the hell out of me. And two years ago, I was not like that at all. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for you're getting at. Our, our time on, on Earth is finite, and so in refocusing on what matters to us, like another way I had a friend put it to me, it's like optimistic nihilism, right? Look, at the end of the day, we're all going to be dead and none of this matters, so you might as well do what makes you happy. Right. Like you might as well do the things that are fulfilling and meaningful and like try to make other people have a good time too. Right. Like you might as well. I always thought it was ridiculous that nihilism had such a negative connotation. It's like, no, okay. I can believe that. And be no pressure. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. So no pressure. Do what, do what you need to do. It doesn't matter if you succeed or fail. That's like, I'm one of those people that would rather spend their money on experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because like, I don't care how much money I die with. Like, <laughs> I'd rather use it now and take my kid to Disney World, which I did three years ago. Nice. And, you know, ex- enjoy those experiences rather than have a bank account full of dollars that I can't use. High score. <laughs> I, yeah, high yeah. score. I, uh, shout out, shout out to like thriving in. Hand wavy. <laughs> um, like, I feel embarrassed about this. Uh, and I don't talk about it much because so many people are suffering. People I love are suffering. People I, I work with and deal with on, on, on a daily basis are suffering. And bad things are happening. This is the best year of my life. <laughs> the year before was better than the, this is better than last year. And the year, and last year was better than the year before. And I just keep getting better. And my life just keeps keep getting more awesome. I, I, I don't know if I was going anywhere with that, but like <laughs> solidarity with Mandy, I guess. <laughs> you bought a treadmill. I bought, I bought a rower. <laughs> I feel like honestly, like you, the universe gives back what you put out. And and I guess I've become real. A lot of people are like, you're like woo woo witchy now. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of like that. So I feel like if you manifest things, you can, you can make that happen. And Yes, there's shitty things happening. Yes, yes, there are so many bad things happening. But sometimes out of like self-preservation, you just have to tune all of that out and just be in your immediate dwell. Like for me, sometimes I'll go a week without watching news. Mm-hmm. And and I I feel guilty about that a lot, but it's just like <sighs> You know what? If if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. I, I think the best way someone put that to me was anxiety is not activism, right? Yeah. So like yeah. if just sitting around making yourself anxious and stressed out about everything and whatever emotion you have, like making yourself feel bad doesn't improve the situation. It just also makes you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like So it's okay to mm-hmm. step back and do the self-care that you need to do because just – Feeling bad isn't fixing the problem either. So step back, find what you can do. Like maybe there's stuff you can do here, like in your immediate space that you can take action on, right? Exactly. And and also for drinking other people's problems away. <laughs> you can't drink other people. <laughs> Disassociating from other people's problems isn't effective. Let me tell you, I tried. That, that's a, that's such a great statement. Anxiety is not activism, but also like the opposite is true. Joy is right. activism. Rest is activism. Thriving in a world that doesn't want you to thrive is an act of resistance and activism. Shout out, living a good life. That's been a good conversation. I think it's easy to forget, and I've I've seen it come up a couple times. 
over this past couple years of what they have been of like, yeah, taking those moments for joy are really important. Like they can be radical in and of themselves. Keep a gratitude journal. There's so many great apps that like every day before I go to sleep, I just write one sentence and it gives you an option even to have Mm. a picture. So like you can snap a picture, like even if it's just like this candle, this candle is burning right here and it smells Mm. so good and it's making me happy today. So I'm grateful for the candle. Yeah, I am. I'm up to approximately two years of daily journaling. A buddy of mine got together. We 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 built a we built a daily journaling app based on morning pages from the artist's way. Uh, it's called Early Words. Shout out earlywords.io if you want to join and and uh, and journal with me. But yeah, every day, 750 words. I do it first thing in the morning most days. Uh, stream of consciousness. It has absolutely changed my life. It makes me feel good. It's made me a better writer, not because the writing is good, but because it's taught me to turn off the editor. Writing doesn't have to be good for me to write it. Yeah. Big proponent of journaling. I believe in it. I just don't remember to do it. <laughs> but that's my own problem. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we go back? Can we talk about witchcraft? <laughs> All right, I'm in. <laughs> a, friend, a friend of mine asked me, um, oh my God, maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was, maybe it was several months ago. I have no idea. She, she asked me like, do you actually do you actually believe in, in, in witchcraft? Like, like those magic woo-woo stuff? It's like, well, let me tell you something. Every morning when I wake up in the morning, I make a potion with dried leaves that energizes me. <laughs> At night, I make a different potion with dried flowers that calms me down and helps me sleep. <laughs> My literal job is making sand think. <laughs> Do I believe in witchcraft? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the full moon today, so my, I have a whole jug of water out charging. Like I do, I, I literally have a jug of water on my deck charging for full moon water energy, and I use it. Like I'll put a little bit in my bath water. I'll put a little bit mm. of it. Like I'll cook with it. Like want to boil some water, put it in there. Like and does it help? I don't know, but it makes me feel better. Okay, wait. It makes you feel better? Sounds like Doesn't it Doesn't that mean it helps? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, a, a good point. Like there's – I believe in the power of intention and, and ritual, right? Like there, there's a reason why humans developed rituals over time, right? And sometimes it's just for us to feel the right thing. But like feelings are important. <laughs> but like feelings I want to say something controversial on the greater than code podcast <laughs> such as feelings are important um, but they are right like sometimes it's well you go through a certain step and it centers you or you go through a certain set of steps and it makes you feel better or it helps you process the anxiety you're feeling or it's like nope I need to get centered in my five senses again so I can come back into my body and be here instead of going off on a, a anxiety spiral Absolutely. right like what is witchcraft, right? And I, I um, actually love this from uh, Terry Pratchett, one of my all-time favorite authors who does the Discworld series of novels, has like a very specific approach to witchcraft, which is like, yeah, 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 magic and whatever. But like their daily thing is checking on all the people of the village and doing all the work that nobody wants to do. So it's like hmm. – how are the elderly doing? Do they need help with anything? Well, making sure so-and-so takes their bath, making sure this person's like animals are taken care of, making sure like this sort of thing. And sometimes it's 
about appearances and going through the ritual to make sure <laughs> the, the community is coming along, right? Sitting with the dead, all that kind of stuff. And like, that's witchcraft. That's the the like bread and butter of witchcraft is knowing the right herbs and poultices to to put together and like being the heart and soul of the community and being able to get people and helping each other and move the resources around as needed and that sort of thing. So yeah, like yeah, I believe in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was um there's a great story in, about Anton Mesmer. I learned this shout out to Mary Elizabeth Rains who who taught me hypnosis. I learned this about she told me this story when we were when, when I was doing my hypnosis training about Antoine Mesmer, who's considered the Fosmer of, of hypnotism. He introduced hypnotism to the uh, to the white people. <laughs> uh, hence, the word, hence the word mesmerism and magnetic, perso- magnetic personality. All this comes from Mesmer. He would, uh, he would have women, he had salons where people would hold on to metal rods that he had, quote, magnetized and, and be healed and fall out and screaming and have spirit and all that. Um, but Mesmer, Mesmer was very popular and very powerful, and the King of France did not like this. <laughs> and the King of France put together a Blue Ribbon Commission. I don't know if he called it a Blue Ribbon Commission. Probably not, because he spoke French. Uh, but put together a commission of scientists to, to discredit Mesmer. One of these scientists was Ben Franklin, by the way. And, they, and so they, they, did, they did a double-blind study. They did a proper double-blind test. Uh, they had Mesmer come out and magnetize a tree. That was the th- thing he did. He would magnetize trees. People come out and hug the trees, and they'd be healed. Uh, so they did a study. They had to magnetize a tree, and they brought people out who were sick, and they said, you know, hug that tree. Mesmer magnetized it. You'll be healed. Some of the trees Mesmer had magnetized, some he hadn't. And it turns out it didn't matter. People were still healed. <laughs> And so they all came to the conclusion, all right, see what Mesmer's not doing anything. It's 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 all placebo effect. And Mesmer was run out of town and, and lived in exile for the rest of his days. Nobody bothered to ask, why were the people healed? Nobody asked, like everybody knows placebo effect is a real effect. Nobody's like, how do we make it more effective? Why is it working this way? What do we do with what do we do with that? How can we use that? Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a super interesting thought, right? Like The placebo effect is a powerful and interesting concept overall. We do ourselves a disservice to not understand it. Yeah. To dismiss it as if it doesn't exist. Not only does it exist, it's increasing. Hmm. Placebos are getting more powerful. Yeah. I'm drinking this um, Zenify stress relief drink. (laughs) And does it work? I don't know. But it's delicious. And you know what? It makes me happy. You know why? Because it's not alcohol. So (laughs) it's not having a negative effect on me. I'm not getting drunk and doing stupid things. Is it taking away my stress? I mean, but I love it. I love it. And it makes me feel good. It it makes me, it's, it's a treat. It's a special drink. I have one a day. And it's one of those things that's like, instead of missing my case of White Claw seltzer, <laughs> I know, I know, I wasn't even a bougie. I wasn't even a good drinker. That's that. That's what made a problem. <laughs> this is far too affordable. I, I was not a discerning drinker. So, <laughs> so no, I have my my one bougie drink that I have, and it makes me feel good. Does it? relieve my stress i don't know but i don't care either yeah if it works it works one of one of the great things about the one of the um great things about placebos is they don't well 
I was going to say they don't have to be expensive, but sometimes they work better when they're expensive. <laughs> um, Moonwater's free. <laughs> Moonwater's, yeah. But, well, it's not free. Actually, you had to you had to put in effort and intention. True. And I think if you didn't, it wouldn't be as effective. Effort and intention go a long way. <laughs> That's the root of magic, isn't it? Why can't I just get paid for effort and intention? <laughs> I mean, if I put my effort and intention into this money tree. <laughs> I've always thought it would be nice if if real world jobs worked like Animal Crossing, right? Like, oh, so I can just go pick some stuff up and then you're just going to give me money and then we can just move on, right? Like, great. Now look, I dug up a bag of money. If I just plant this bag of money, I'll get more money. It's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to bridge that gap. That That's such a great question. Like when effort and intention is so, well, literally magical, why does it seem to not have the impact we want in non-magical environments, I'll call them. Hmm. Hmm. And I ask that question because I want to know what to do about that. I want to I want to bring magic to a non-magical environment, to, to city council, to retail store, stores. I almost named an online retail store. I don't want to name it. <laughs> but yeah, to city council, to, to, to corporate interactions. And there's no reason you can't. Like... Corporations are people. Governments are people. I think it requires dealing with them in- individually in ways that we're not used to. Yeah, th- it's a good question. You've got me like really thinking about. Yeah, my wheels are turning. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is like effort and intention is always going to make the most effect for you, right? Like it's because most about aligning your thought processes, right? Like it's about taking the like. I don't know. I'm just taking this in and making the best decision I can to like, okay, if I can focus on this is my goal and my aim and what I'm after, suddenly all of the patterns emerge around that, right? And like, oh, now I'm ready for that opportunity or, oh, now this thing is working out and oh, now this is working out because I've focused on my my intentions and, and where I want to put my efforts. I think there's room for these things in other groups. It gets back to what I was thinking about, about, about ritual, right? About how humans ha- are tuned for ritual to tell themselves story. Like we're tuned for storytelling and ritual and all this sort of thing. And so I think there's room from like a tech perspective. I'm thinking about like what comes to mind quickly is like incident management stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, sorry, I'm coming off of SRE con this week. So like everything's going to be around that. <laughs> Our apologies. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it was fantastic, but it's a, it's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but think about that, right? Like when you're coming in and doing instant reports, like so, powerful is it to set the intention of the meeting or any meeting that you have and say, we are here for this purpose. This is what we're looking to find. We're not looking to do, you know, back when chef had like lots to say about this, uh, they'd have those things like, we're not here to determine what could have or should have happened. We're here to find out what did and move the thing. Like, and so it's all about setting the intent of that gathering and what outcomes you're after. And it focuses the whole conversation, right. And like can make that meeting more powerful because you've set the focus right off the, the bat. I think there's room for that other places too. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way of saying it. Like, like you described it as setting an attention. Yeah. Um, whereas in corporate speak, I would, I would describe it as setting an agenda. Right. And, and an agenda is one thing. Like, it's kind of like, Hey, here's kind of the stuff we're going to do. But to be like, we are gathered for this purpose to uncover <laughs> this no, thing. No, no. We are like, we, we, dearly, dearly beloved, dear colleagues. Right? Yeah. Right. We are gathered right. here for this purpose. Yeah. I mean, we say it this way in personal stuff. Why don't we? Like, it's useful. <laughs> it really is. Because, like, how are you ever going to get something done if you don't know what you're there for? Right. Well, you're going to get something done. 
If you don't have a destination, any road you take is fine. If you don't have any intentions set, it's uh, a series of meetings that could have been emails. <laughs> and then maybe that's the maybe that's the power of of it in a non magical space, right? Is forcing yourself to go through this thought process of like, why am I doing this? Why are we here? What do we want to accomplish? Can probably trim so much of the cruft from all of our meetings and engagements and. That that was my favorite sentence as a product manager. What is it you're trying to accomplish? <laughs> I say that a lot, but it is it is a very very powerful question, especially when you have children asking to use dangerous tools. <laughs> what is it you're trying to accomplish? Maybe we don't need to bust out razor blades. <laughs> and so, from an SRE standpoint, you know, when you when you get together for for a what is, what is what do you call that meeting? An incident review? A, a, yeah, a, yeah, a like postmortem. A- Postmortem is a bit post incident um, report. There's, there's a handful of of names for that reason, but uh, yeah. post incident review retrospective. Retrospective, yeah. So the question is, what is it you are trying to accomplish? Right. I'm trying to find somebody to blame and not blaming. <laughs> I'm trying to find somebody to blame so so that I look good in my next performance review. Well, that's what's that's what was so important about doing that, right? Because that's the shift we're trying like. Largely as an industry trying to make, right? We're not trying to like finding a person to blame doesn't learn anything about what happened and it will teach us nothing for next time. Um, so if we set the intention of like, we're trying to learn from this incident, like how we can improve or what we can do better, or maybe there's nothing like, maybe this was just a fluke and let's find that out. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. what we're here to learn. Um, but we're not here to point fingers or find a root cause because root causes are for plants. <laughs> again that's a whole other podcast (laughs) at the beginning of the pandemic i owned zero plants Mm -hmm. now i i think i'm the proud plant mother of 20 (laughs) that's amazing i know my problem is i can't keep things alive we'll see they're all thriving because i set the intention Hmm. that i was not going to mess this up (laughs) there you go do you give them moon water I do. <laughs> it's apparently, it's working. I, I like. I, do. You, do we want to do some reflections? Sure. Let's do it. I'll start us off. Um, you know, with this conversation we we're just having about the intention and and stuff. I, this is why I think everybody should journal, including CEOs and leaders. Like, get out a journal. Set what do you want, and then look back at some of the stuff. Like, I don't do it often, but I go back and I'm like, oh. Yeah, you know, just reflecting on what you've written in the past and bringing that to the present can really help you put stock in in all the things that you want and should be accomplishing. Yeah, I'm, I um, this bringing magic into non magical environments and journaling is part of that. A shout out to journaling. Uh, another plug for earlywords.io. <laughs> Come journal with me. Because it is it is a magical thing. I, I it is a ritual I do daily uh, that clears my mind. That it is a practice of listening to myself. Uh, it is a practice of letting go and not controlling what's coming out. And along with that, and all the other sort of ways I know of being that that 
that I can call magic. You know, I can call hypnotism. I can call NLP. I can call ontological coaching. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done a lot. <laughs> um, bringing that into, into environments where I haven't because they're so useful there. And we talked about some of the ways they are. And so like, I'm going to be looking for more ways of doing that. I think the things I'm, I'm thinking about after this conversation are, are like ritual intention and, and reflection are like the big things that are, are standing up. Like I think this pandemic, for instance, and, and how things have changed is because I've had just so much time to have to sit alone by myself and reflect on what's mm-hmm. going on externally and internally. But yeah, anyway, just about setting intentions, right? Of, of understanding the directions you want to go before going thing, like making sure you're aligned with your goals and you're not just accidentally wandering down paths that you don't want to be down and turning around and finding out you're miserable 10 months later. Right. <laughs> and I think I've, I've thought a lot about the the power of even small rituals just to interrupt our standard thought processes and align ourselves with those kind of things. Right. There's been a lot from basic health stuff of like, here are the rituals I can go through when I'm feeling anxious and I know they'll calm me down to like, mm-hmm. you know, writing in a journal or, directing a group <laughs> to like, let's align our thought processes, right? Like it can be super useful. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. I'm glad we just had a panel only episode and I'd love to do more of these in the future. They're, they're really, they're really cool. We didn't come to the show with much of an agenda and hopefully you dear listener, appreciate it. If you would like to give us some feedback, we'd appreciate it. Tweet at us. Join our Slack. Hire Mandy. Tell your friends. (laughs) Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your enemies too. (laughs) We'll see you all next week.